Howdy. February 3rd, 2023 is here, and with it, it's a new episode of Views from the Shot podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller, and today we will recap Ohio State's loss, talk about Chris Holtman and his future at Ohio State. Spoiler alert, he has one. And a little bit more. But before we get into that, I would be remiss if I did not share with you that today, February 3rd, is National Cordova Iceworm Day. Yes, you only get this day once a year, and I'm sure that you were psyched out of your mind for it to return here on February 3rd, National Cordova Iceworm Day. This has been a festival going on in Alaska since 1961 in the first event a mascot development contest was held and the winner got $15 and an honorable place in their first parade we have now celebrated 62 of these holidays i hope you'll celebrate with me today buckeyes lose to wisconsin Last night, Wisconsin improves to 13-8, and 5-6 and six in the conference. This win probably moves them up and out of the next four out category in the NCAA tournament if they're there and into the first four out. Probably not last four in because Ohio State in this win is not the best looking win at this point. Ohio State falls to 11-11. and 11. Three and eight in Big Ten play. Let's start with just recapping the game that was. Wisconsin went up in this one eight to nothing to start the game. Ohio State calls the timeout three minutes in to regroup. Another game in which Ohio State comes out with an underwhelming start. It seems like game after game, that's the way it's gone. And that's how it went today. Unfortunately, the Buckeyes fall 8-0, but fortunately, they have Bryce Sensenball. I think I could do an entire episode about where Ohio State would be without Bryce Sensenball, but he comes out there, 8 points unanswered, not by a combination of Ohio State players, not scored and assisted on, 8 straight points from Bryce Sensenball, two threes in a row, and then he hits a 2 as well to tie the game. At eight. From there, Wisconsin was able to take a little bit of a lead and start to distance itself from Ohio State. Wisconsin would hit a couple threes, and before long, Buckeyes down by 10, Buckeyes down by 12, and it looked like we were in for same old, same old. This game got dangerously close to being just like Indiana. And the collapse, which against Indiana happened in the final couple minutes of the first half, looked like it was going to happen in the final couple minutes of the first half again. Probably the biggest news from last night's loss, Chris Holtman ejected from the contest. Bryce Sensenbaugh shoved a Wisconsin player after a little bit of a a tie-up incident, and madness ensues after that, I guess. It, it It was very odd 
how quickly Chris Holtman got ejected. I mean, it was like bang, bang. The first technical foul Chris Holtman got, sure, he was chirping at the refs. He had been chirping at the refs all all game to that point, but he he, he was clearly not happy with the call where Bryce Sensabaugh also was assessed a technical foul. Holtman, you could see on the video, he said in the press conference after the game that the Wisconsin player just flopped. Looked like video would support that claim. But Holtman gets that first technical foul, and then he keeps yelling. And then maybe, it was maybe two seconds after that first technical time. I mean, I'm talking bang, bang, very quickly. Holtman gets assessed a second technical foul, which for the viewers scoring at home, that means that you can no longer coach or participate in that game. So at that point, Chris Holtman gets fired up. He's an angry man at that point of the game. Goes after some refs. Zed Key, Jake Diebler, hold him back. Chris Holman says, don't hold me back. Don't hold me back. Let me go. He says, I'm fine. And then, well, Ohio State stopped holding him back. And then Holman, you know, kind of got up in the face of a ref and, and didn't do too much. But something along the lines of, that was a flop. You could, you could see him saying that. So then he, he goes on his merry way. And... Holtman leaves a game. Jake Diebler coaches a game for there on out. Buckeyes head into the second half down by a pretty wide margin, you could say. 43-27 was the halftime score. That's a 16-point deficit. And those technical fouls, a couple of free throws, extra points given to Wisconsin, and Wisconsin would go into the break up by 16. You go into halftime wondering what this Ohio State team will do. If you don't follow me on Twitter, which I hope you do, at the shot pod, I was there last night. My first views from the shot recap episode was from a game in which I viewed from the shot. It's no secret that the Schottenstein Center is not conducive for a basketball team. It's a great arena for having multiple sports played there at the same time. As we're walking out from the loss last night, I had a an Ohio State staff member encourage us to come back for the hockey game. Two of them coming up this weekend. I believe she said that's what happens when you have a venue that can you know, host multiple events. However, it means that at least for basketball, not conducive for a good environment. Not only that, but this team, when they came out in the second half, when I tell you they lacked any kind of emotion, that was that was tough to watch. I had absolutely no confidence whatsoever that this Ohio State basketball team was going to come out in the second half and make any kind of a charge or show that they wanted to be there. Ohio State has been talking about leadership. Wow. The leadership, whether it is there or not, it clearly, and we'll talk about Chris Holtman's thoughts after the game here in a bit, but clearly still not there. That team came out. I don't know if they had a pulse. And for the first 36 minutes of the game, there was about as much energy in that arena as there was at my kindergarten graduation. I mean, it was 
not not fun, not good. Any positive connotation that you can associate with the atmosphere last night, bad. And I've been to a couple games this year. Atmosphere hasn't been great. But that was when Ohio State was playing the likes of Maine and directional technical community college state school online West Campus. They were not games in which the fans were expected to show out. Even the Nut House. I'm sorry to challenge the Nut House. And I guess I can't. I can't be blamed for the Nut House's lack of energy when there was no energy across that arena. Finally, Ohio State makes a run to close out this game. The final four minutes were actually exciting, whereas the first 36 were not. I would assume that I will not be refunded for the first 36 minutes of that game. But the Buckeyes make it close. They get the game down to three points at one point. They hold Wisconsin scoreless for seven minutes. The Badgers cannot get the lid off the basket. And yet Ohio State still could not score. And that's, oh, by the way, most likely because Bryce Sensenbaugh, who had four fouls, then enters the game again. Late in the second half, he picked up his fourth foul early on in the second, sat for a while. Diebler put Sensabaugh in. Is within 30, 60 seconds. It felt like it may have been a little bit longer, but not by much. Sensabaugh finds himself out of position defensively, fouls, and has to wave goodbye to the crowd. So even while Ohio State has a probably the strongest run of defense over a long period of time. No points given up for several minutes late in the second half. Offensively, they were still not able to find it because this Ohio State team, as we've talked about without Bryce Sensenball, they really have nothing. Offensively, it was just suing, trying to make moves. Zed Key trying to score. Sean McNeil, by the way, hardly got any touches in this game, and they just could not get anywhere. So Ohio State loses this game 65-60. to Their comeback ends up just short. Sends a ball, 13 points, 5 fouls. He goes 5 of 7 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, hits his one free throw. The guy is just on. Every night he is one of the most efficient scorers in the entire NCAA. It really doesn't matter who's playing that night. Sensenball is going to be among the top when it comes to efficiency scoring. He only played 16 minutes due to getting into foul trouble, but 13 points. Ohio State's second leading scorer is Zed Key. 12 points right behind. Sensenball adds 9 rebounds, 5 of 13 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3, hits half of his free throws, not the most efficient night for our friend Zed. Two players score eight points. Justice Suing comes off the bench in this one, plays 31 minutes still, which is the third most on the team right behind Ice Likely with 33. Sean McNeil plays 32 minutes. Suing scores eight points. Goes up there and grabs 11 rebounds. He was active in the post tonight. He was able to get up, be strong. Puts up eight points on four of six shooting. A nice night from him. Then we see Likely as well with eight points. He had seven rebounds and four assists. 
kind of LeBron stat line if if you divide it by three every night. And then outside of that, really no help. Sean McNeil did have seven points. He made one three. But, man, he, he only attempted one three. This is a guy who, if Ohio State needs scoring offensively, they need to find someone outside of Bryce Sensenball who can do it night in and night out. And I was really hoping Sean McNeil would be that guy who could shoot the lights out. But you know what? When you don't move ever, not just Sean McNeil, but the entire offense, when there's no movement, when the offense is either dribble handoff or pick and roll, let's keep reversing the ball on the wing, see how can we enter it into the post, and then we enter it into the post, and Zed Key tries to go do work. When he's 6'9", undersized against any team in the Big Ten. And you have four players, four players behind the three-point line just standing there watching. I know basketball is a very tough sport. You have to run around a lot. But I'm hoping that some of the best athletes in the world have just enough energy saved up to where they can go set a freaking back screen. Rather, what we see night in and night out is Zed Key getting the ball in the post, or Felix Akpara, or Justice Suing, or whoever's down there, Isaac Likely. And those four players out there just stand. It's tough to watch. It's been tough to watch for you as well. We lament together. Buckeyes unable to, to get Sean McNeil going or involved. Seven points, good for him. At least we know that he'll take a couple twos every once in a while. At Justin Arns. Sorry, there is no need for Justin Arns slander tonight on this show. No need whatsoever. I apologize to, to Justin. Continue balling out well at your mid-major of choice. Outside of that, Akpara gets some minutes. Bruce Thornton goes 1 of 5 from 3, 2 of 8 from the field. He certainly hit the freshman wall. Buckeyes have talked about that already. Eugene Brown plays 2 minutes. Thanks for coming, Gene. Tanner Holden, as expected, not a lot of playing time for him. Five minutes. He nearly was a part of the club trillion tonight, but unfortunately he had one turnover. Sorry, Mark Titus. So that's the Buckeyes' loss. On the Wisconsin side, I gave two keys to this game. If you don't follow our Twitter page, profile, whatever you want to call it, every game day, I give two keys to how Ohio State can win their matchup. And I made it pretty simple for this one. Number one, stop them from three. Do not let them get hot from deep to start this game. They did an okay job with that. Specifically, they needed to contain Tyler Wall, Connor Essigen, Essigen. Sorry for the poor pronunciation there. And they did well. Wall played 34 minutes. He went 2 of 10 from the field. He's still just not himself right now, it appears. But Asijin scored 17 points, 5 of 10 from the field, made 2 triples. And I tell you what, Wisconsin, if you don't know the name, you should. You probably do. Stephen Crowell, 7-footer, hailing from Egan, Minnesota, shout out Egan. 
He's averaging 12 points per game this year, almost seven rebounds. He went out there tonight and just did the most on Zed Key and Felix Akpara. Big guy, strong. I have been asking Ohio State for a while. Please go get a seven-footer who's also strong. Those guys are hard to find. It's not easy. But the Buckeyes have been an undersized team for years. And Crowell just, he, he did what he wanted. He had his way, scoring 14 points, third most on the team. Chucky Hepburn also scored 15. Put a lot of shots up. Wasn't the most efficient game. But he did what he had to do. Tough loss for Ohio State. Tough loss for sure. I will say, Wisconsin did score the exact amount of points that I predicted in this game. However, I said Ohio State was going to win this game 79-65. to That didn't happen. On to the next one. Let's talk Chris Holtman. Now, if you're, if you're really, really following Ohio State basketball closely, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, you know that Gene Smith, Ohio State's director of athletics, not the athletic director, his actual title is director of athletics, just so we're clear. Gene Smith comes out and says, Chris Holtman is our coach of the future. So fans who are calling for Chris Holtman's head are probably not going to get their wish. One thing I will say about this, if you're the director of athletics at Ohio State University and you have a reporter ask you about the future of your basketball program, including what's going to happen with your head coach on a down year, you have one of two options. Number one is say, oh, he'll be here. He's a part of our future. He's important to this team. Number two is pack your bags and leave. Stop the interview. What 80 in any sport across any program in the nation is going to talk to a reporter and say, Oh, yeah, no, Chris Holtman, I don't think we're going to bring him back next year in the middle of the season. I understand why we're paying attention to that report. I get it. At the same time, what do you expect Gene Smith to say? Do you expect him to say, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll reevaluate whatever at the end of the season? No. We're in the middle of a freaking season. We've got 10 Big Ten games left to go. It's the beginning of February. We have a lot of time left in this season. And if you think that for some reason Gene Smith is going to go out there and say, yeah, we, we've, got our, we've got our search narrowed down to seven guys we're going to talk to at the end of the year, it's not going to happen. Don't expect Gene Smith to go out there and say, we're going to fire Chris Holtman. Think about the ramifications of that. Think practically for a second about the ramifications of that. Number one, this team is playing for Chris Holtman. Until Chris Holtman is no longer the head coach for Ohio State, it makes no sense to communicate in any way that these players should not be following Chris Holtman. Number two, Ohio State has yet another top-tier recruiting class coming in next year. Three recruits inside the top 50. Can Ohio State afford to lose any one of those guys? No. Resounding no. So Gene Smith 
cannot say, oh, you know, we'll see what happens or give some wishy-wash answer because those recruits will say that, see that and they'll say, you know what, maybe Ohio State isn't the place for me, especially with the fact that they're 11-11 and 11 right now. Bronny James, by the way, put Ohio State in his top three. He's not going to come to Ohio State. But if you have a recruit who's evaluating a school and an AD says, yeah, we'll see what happens with the head coach at the end of the year, that gives you no confidence because you're not committing to a school. You're not committing to a program. You're committing to a coach. That is what players commit to. The brand and the NIL and all that stuff, yeah, that's that's important. But at the end of the day, if your coach is leaving, that gives you a lot of uncertainty. So I'm sorry for the soapbox there, but it needs to be said. Anyways, Holtman gets ejected. We can talk about what he said after the game. Number one, he repeated over and over and over again, I couldn't communicate with the officials all night. Anything I said to them, it fell on deaf ears. I couldn't communicate. They wouldn't listen to me. So he was clearly frustrated with that. Number two, he accepted full responsibility. He actually accepted full responsibility for everything in the program right now, which he has done consistently. You can appreciate that. He accepted full responsibility for the lack of leadership, for not being too, not being able to win games consistently, for no leadership, bad play, whatever you want to talk about. He took full responsibility for it. The only thing he didn't take responsibility for was the second technical foul. He made it very clear that that one was not warranted. He was not happy with that. I think it's funny. I take full responsibility for everything, 100%. Everything is my fault. Except the second technical foul. That's not my fault. Okay, Chris. I get it. It, w- it was such a uh, a quick ejection. That second technical foul came from a different ref. It was weird. I just found that to be funny. That seemed to be the, the thing that irked him the most was not being able to communicate with the officials. He said he felt the Wisconsin player had flopped. And he also said that the flop call in nature is great. He's done a bad job of teaching it to his own team this year. But he said officials have got to clean it up. They've got to start calling the flop call better. They called it well at the start of the year. Since then, it seems like there's been less of an emphasis on it. We saw multiple flops in that game on Wisconsin's side that were not called. One in the first half, one in the second half, both right below the rim. And, I mean, even Ohio State's bench on the second flop that was not called, Ohio State's bench asking for it. So it's, it's a tough call, obviously, but players, this is an age of flopping where they try to take advantage of it, and they're still taking advantage of it. So Holtman gets ejected. Let's talk about first half compared to the second half. Holtman again took responsibility. He said multiple times Ohio State had no bite to start the game. In the first half, they had no bite. And I cannot wait to preview the Michigan game because of this. But he said they had no bite to start at the game. There was a lack of motivation, a lack of effort. Holtman also said in the start of this game, and that's what happens. An 8-0 result 
down by eight points within the first three minutes. You got to call a timeout. I don't know what he said in the huddle, but I would assume it was something along the lines of, can you guys please act like you want to be here tonight, please? I know, I, I, I know that right now we could all lay down. We could bring out some cots on the floor. We get our favorite pillow, a blanket, maybe a stuffed animal, and we could take a nap right now with how lame this atmosphere is. I know. I know it feels like nap time, guys. I get it. I really do. The music has stopped playing. The The hype music, as, as you build the momentum in pregame, that's all done now. So I know it feels like, oh, man, like I could close my eyes. It's kind of warm in here. I could curl up to a to a pretzel from the from the concessions and and maybe take a nap. Not so fast, guys. We got to play a basketball game right now, please. I don't know what the message was, but it was probably something like that. When you call a timeout three minutes into a freaking game because you're down eight to nothing, no bite in the first half, and that's what it was. That's what really. Really hurt Ohio State. They were down by 18 at one point. It was a great comeback, but you can't put yourself down by 18. You can't put yourself down by 8 in the first three minutes of the game and not score. You also cannot lose a game after out-rebounding your opponent 45-26. to 45-26, to Ohio State out-rebounds Wisconsin. That's a plus 19 on the boards, plus 19, and you still lose. Plus 8 on the offensive glass. 12 and 4. 12 to 4 on the offensive glass. Still not able to win. Still not able to take advantage. Because when you don't have anyone else out there who can score like Bryce Sensenball, it's hard to take advantage. But it's also hard to take advantage when you don't move. No motion. So last thing I'll say on Chris Holtman's future he, at this point, he seems to have a loss for words. If you listen to these press conferences closely, which you should, if you're if you're a fan, you'll find things out. If you listen to these press conferences closely, then you should see one thing. And that right now is Chris Holtman has nothing to say. He has been asked the same questions over and over and over again. And he got a little frustrated last night with the question in terms of how do you turn this around and Chris essentially said if I had the answers we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because we would have went out and just beaten Wisconsin but we didn't so obviously I don't know so please stop asking me which I get I get the frustration behind Holtman but the other thing is he just had nothing of specifics to say he's clearly lost out there he clearly does not know what the answer is we have a two-day layoff before we go on and play Michigan And Holtman and his staff appear to not have any answers. And what that means for me is this season, first of all, stick a fork in it. It's done. Ohio State will not make the NCAA tournament. If they do, I'll be thrilled out of my mind. But it's not going to happen. And at this point, they may miss the NIT. What What even is after that and would Ohio State accept the invitation? Is it the CBI, the College Basketball Invitational? Whatever it is. Does Ohio State even accept that invitation? That's a question for another day. But my goodness, Chris Holtman, when you have no answers, that is where you lose confidence in a coach. Which I, again, I understand it. 
You continue to lose game after game after game, and it makes sense to have the opinion that you do, that I don't know what to do. I get that. But again, it's hard to believe in a coach. It's hard to believe in a program. It's hard for those players to believe in each other and believe in their coach when your head coach has no answers whatsoever. We're going to talk about the mission game. That'll be tomorrow morning. Look out for the preview podcast upcoming. I'm staying busy. The show notes that I got to put together, it takes some time, especially for these preview episodes. I want to go back and look at previous games, see how opponents are playing, and give you what should be the best Ohio State basketball podcast out there to make you the most well-informed. So when Carl from accounting comes over and says, you know what? Zed Key, he sucks. You can go back to them and say, you know what, yeah, he does suck, and here's why. Or, no, he doesn't, and here's why. I didn't even get into player personnel in this one. But, last thing I'll say before I wrap this up. We're getting calls for players to play and players to be sat and benched and removed from the team. If a player who has played all year to this point is still playing all year. You know what that probably means? He's probably one of Ohio State's best options. And if a player has been sitting closer to the popcorn vendor on the bench than he is to Chris Holtman, it probably means that he's not the best option for Ohio State basketball right now. So if you're calling for a player who's played zero minutes all year to step up in the starting lineup or get some more minutes... It is February, my guy. It's not going to happen. Sorry. Sorry. That's how I feel. And it's my show, so I can do what I want. Okay, here we are. Reel it back in here. Ohio State again losing to Wisconsin 65-60. to The Buckeyes fall to 500 in February for the first time since the 2003-2004 season 20 years ago. That is also a season where Ohio State finished under 500 the first time they've done so in recent years we're gonna move on to michigan tomorrow morning be on the lookout for views from the shot previewing the michigan game at this point not sure this team can make it to the ncaa tournament that seems to be a pipe dream right now the good thing if anything is ohio state still according to ken palm one of the least lucky teams in all of college basketball and they've got some home games coming up and They're playing in the Big Ten, which means those losses don't mean as much, and those wins mean a lot more. That's why an 11-11 Ohio State team no longer really in the bubble picture. With a couple wins, they can get right back into the bubble picture, whereas if you're playing in a lesser conference, you're not going to have that opportunity. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Views from the Shot podcast. I literally viewed the game from the shot last night wasn't the most fun but i did it i stuck it out won't be doing it again for a while it'll be a couple weeks before i'm back but i'll be watching the game from my couch just like you against michigan unless you decide to go to the game buckeyes take the loss we hope they'll pick it up against michigan we'll be back tomorrow morning to preview the michigan game excited to do that until then go bucks